Mindfulness Mode 151. I stopped myself from just trying to suppress it and just trying to push it down and almost ignore that it wasn't there and just trying to will it away and ignore it so that it, so that it would, I don't know, like eventually sort of disappear by itself. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, I talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives. Last time, I talked with Amy J. She studied to be an attorney and through that realized she loved to talk to people about their dreams. I met her at Podcast Movement in Chicago back in July. Her wisdom and her wonderful grasp of mindfulness came across loud and clear when I spent time with her. And then she asked me to hold up a sign that said, I'm a dream chaser. She grabbed a picture and she sent it to me later. You know, I think you'll really enjoy this episode if you didn't catch it yet. Amy J on episode 150. Today, I'm talking with Michael Glover. He's so open and so vulnerable about the social anxiety and depression he's experienced in his life. He's passionate about being healthy, and he's excited to share how he moved past all this anxiety and moved into a space where he's really comfortable, relaxed, and happy now. Michael gave me insight into anxiety that I'm putting into my soon-to-be-released course on anxiety called Dissolve Your Anxiety. At least that's the title I've been thinking about, Dissolve Your Anxiety. I think that's powerful. I'll keep you posted. Stay tuned because I'm looking for some testers to help me with the launch to get this thing started. I'll let you know more as soon as I can. In the meantime, sit back, enjoy this eye-opening episode with Michael Glover. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Michael Glover on the line today. Hey, Michael, are you in mindfulness mode? I most certainly am in mindfulness mode, Bruce. That's great. You really sound it. So it's really great to connect with you today. And uh, the first thing I like to talk about is just mindfulness itself. What does the word mindfulness mean to you, Michael? To me, mindfulness means, I mean, as it, as it kind of says in the, in the kind of word itself, just being mindful over our daily practices, I suppose, um, and something that I suppose comes a little bit not naturally to most people in this modern day world uh, and I, I think should come naturally. It's uh, something that I think just kind of taking a step back and uh, being able to just appreciate the present moment I think is is essentially what mindfulness is to me. So it can be done in any situation, um, I think a lot of people associate, myself included in the past, associate it with just like, oh, it's just meditation. And it kind of, I suppose, is in a sense, but then it's not actually having to sit down and cross your legs and do all that kind of crazy stuff. But um, I mean, if you want to, then obviously you can. But to me, it's uh, it's just being able to appreciate the now and the present moment and being able to live without thinking about stuff that's happened in the past or stuff that's going to happen in the future and just being in the present moment right now. So that's what it is to me. Well, we're really on the same page with that, Michael. And I know you've had a lot of experience with social anxiety. You've suffered that in the yeah. past. And can you tell us about that and how maybe you use mindfulness to kind of get through it? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, 
I can't remember a time in my past where I wasn't having some kind of issue around being around people or having real issues with just worrying what people would think of me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can remember, like, even when I was a kid, uh, I, I used to play a lot of uh, golf, among other sports, when I, when I was a kid. And just something as simple as if we wanted to go and play golf last minute, and what I had to do a lot, because I used to play with my brother, he was the little brother, I was the big brother. Mm-hmm. And so it was up to me then to phone the golf club and mm-hmm. just ask, you know, how, how's the course looking? Is it busy? Is it, is it quiet? Can we get on if we come in there now? And you'd think that would be quite a simple thing to just mm-hmm. kind of phone someone and just ask that. But I'd have to go through this whole procedure of calming myself down, of just worrying and I didn't even know what I was worrying over of just having to phone someone and talk to someone on the other end like introduce myself without sounding like an idiot and just kind of saying stuff to them and getting what I wanted it's just literally just like a 30 second phone call Mm -hmm. and I used to do this with so I mean so many different areas of my life just like going into school and just be, always being the quiet one never having the confidence to really kind of say anything or uh spark up and and have an opinion on anything if it wasn't within a very close group of people of like very like close group of friends uh, or close family and things like that and so I didn't really recognize it as social anxiety at the time obviously and this kind of carried on into um into my early adulthood life as well um and I, I just thought that I was broken. I just thought that I was just a weird person <laughs> and that, mm. um, that literally every time I had to interact with someone outside of my immediate circle would spark up this this whole anxiety and fear and panic in, inside me. Oh, what's this person going to think of me? What's 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 going to happen? What's are they going to think that I'm weird? Are they, are they going to think that I'm uh, that I'm that I can't? I don't know, like, I don't even know what the, what the fear really was, but I was just, every time that I had to interact with someone, just this whole, I could spend weeks panicking about, you know, I've got this social event coming up and mm. literally just like panicking about what, like, what they're going to think, like, oh, I've got to, I've got to interact with people. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And, uh, weirdly I was, I actually first started training as a, um, as a, as a journalist, uh, that's okay. kind of what I wanted to be and what I had to do when I first started doing work and work experience and things like that in local newspapers was um, was like phoning people sure. and, and for, like phoning up local people like if their son or kid has been in a uh, like a, a won a medal or something in some sport or you know something something like that's happened like I'm just gonna kind of ask him a few questions and things like that on the phone. And again, like I would spend so long just fretting and worrying about phoning these people. It's just such a simple thing. Um, and it kind of carried on and on and on in, into my and, and it, as I like went into uh, university and did that, it kind of waned off a little bit, and I managed to to control it a little bit more. Um, but then I didn't really deal with it properly until I started to actually listen to what was going on in my head. And I think that was the first sign of the mindfulness coming in of it's, it, I stopped myself from 
just trying to suppress it and just trying to push it down and almost ignore that it wasn't there and just trying to will it away and ignore it so that it, so that it would i don't know like eventually sort of disappear by itself mm-hmm. uh, and i actually started to take a step back and come into that present moment like i was mentioning before and not living in the future of uh, and all these anxious thoughts about what people might think and what they might do and what might happen and just starting to listen to what was actually going through my head and questioning that. And I think that was the first step of the whole mindfulness practice coming in and helping me to, to deal with this was just actually listening, being present with myself, listening to my thoughts. And when I could see those thoughts, because what I do is literally like just write them on a piece of paper. When I could see them on a piece of paper, I'd be like, well, that's not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. why, why am I thinking that about myself? Like, why am I thinking that about what that might happen? And it was just this regular practice of coming back into the present moment and reminding myself to come back into the present moment and living in the present moment so that I wouldn't have all these thoughts spark, sparking off into the future and worrying about what other people would think of me. And that's, that's how the mindfulness element came into, to, or at least started to come in to, to fix it for me. So did you ever think to yourself, Michael, there must be some reason, something that happened to me when I was a kid that caused me to be this way. Did you, did you try to attribute some reason for it? Um, I, I just thought that this was me. I, right. I just, I, I just thought that, that, sure. oh, I'm an introverted person. Like, I still am an, a like very big introverted person. I like spending periods of time by myself and with very, mm-hmm. like very close knit, uh, people. Uh, but I just thought that I was bad at making conversations and sure. keeping a conversation going. I, w- I would worry about things like, okay, as I got older and I learned how to how to like start off a conversation, I'd worry about the fact that I can't. How, how am I going to keep that conversation going? And I need I need an out. I need some way of getting out if I can't keep the conversation oh, going for, yes. for some reason. Right. Um, and uh, I I just thought that I was that this was just me and that I was just, I kind of built this identity up of myself of I'm a quiet person. I am an introverted person. I'm not very good at conversing with people. I'm not very good at uh, talking to people. I'm not very good at uh, connecting with people. And I just kind of told myself over and over again that this is who I am. This is me. It's a fault. It's a, it's, it's just part of, uh, a character it's part of my character that I would prefer it not to be there but it's a, a drawback in who I am and just I thought that I was weird and, and broken and not able to do that and so I would uh, I, I suppose it kind of if it I suppose there was something in my childhood that initially maybe like a few things that initially caused me to to be the quiet one and not to express myself but I mean, I, I haven't explored it, um, I suppose, in a therapy session or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I prefer to fix it, like in, coming back to the present moment again, fixing it in the now. Sure. I, I, I kind of, I suppose, I didn't really think about. There's no point in going back to finding the source uh, because I can fix it now, and I can, I can live in the now and not worry about what's happened in the past or what's caused it or what caused it or what uh, I might have in the future and just kind of, okay, what can I do about it now? Yeah, uh, so I can't wait to hear 
then how this transformation happened. You started to write your thoughts down in a piece of paper. It started to become obvious that those thoughts were not rational. Then when did the big shift happen where you started to feel more comfortable about connecting and you started to feel like, hey, I can do more with my life? Yeah, so the the big shift was actually kind of recently, sort of in the last couple of years. Um, So I... I went into, um, I, I started my own personal training business um, okay. about four years ago. And one of the things that I really hated about the personal training business was the fact that I had to uh, go and approach other people. I had to go and approach, like in, in a, if I was in a gym setting, I had to go and approach people that I didn't know and talk to them and spark up a conversation and try and then uh, somewhere along the line convert them into being clients. And that's something that I that I really hated and mm-hmm. so I knew that I the weird thing is that I knew I wanted to help people so I knew that I I had a gift to help people in in a coaching um uh kind of session in a coaching uh situation but the actual act of like getting that client and connecting with people to start with was something that I was struggling with. So where the actual transformation really started to shift was when I actually got to know myself and understand myself. Um, And this was something that kind of really, I'd never thought about it before because I always thought it was a problem with like an external problem. Like, oh, I, I just can't connect with that. How do I say the right thing? How do I, how do I have like what this other person has, which is like the gift of the gap? Or right. how do I, how do I f- change myself so that I can connect with that person over there? And how, how can I really, what do I need to do? Why do some people be able to be, are, are able to just kind of go and approach them and connect with people and, and really, and, and really connect with them properly at a deep level. And why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything to do with them or any external thing that I didn't have. It was just the fact that I didn't really know who I was and didn't really know myself. And I wasn't confident in myself. And I wasn't confident in my ability to express myself properly. And I think that was part of the thing that I was doing in the past was trying to suppress everything when actually what I needed to do was just express. Right. And you kind of alluded to that earlier when you said you just learned that you had to allow and not try to be the different person. You just had to kind of relax, give it up. So now we're at the last two years. So how have you been able to open up with people? Because you you just seem really relaxed now talking to me and I know you've, your life has really, really changed. Yeah. So like, as I said, it was, it was, it was getting to know, myself and being mm-hmm. comfortable with myself and it's having the the, the comfort the comfortability to be vulnerable right. and I think that is a a really really scary yet necessary thing to do if you really want to connect with someone is to be vulnerable like put yourself out there and you know I I you know, a couple of years ago would not have been anywhere near comfortable to talk about anything wrong in my life, anything that was going bad in my life, anything uh, like the social anxiety, the fact that I feared connecting with people. I, I, that was something that I 
because I felt like I should, I should have been a strong person. You know, I should have been this person who was able to go out and just achieve and have success and be awesome at so many different areas in, in, in my life. And I should have been able to portray this person. And if I didn't, then it was a weakness. It was a chink in my armor and people would accuse me of being some kind of fake or they would accuse me of, uh, of, of just, of, of not being of like, how can you coach people on health or anything like that? If you are weak yourself and right. getting through to myself that I, that being vulnerable with people is how you connect with people because that's how everyone has vulnerabilities. Everyone has weaknesses. Everyone has chinks in their armor and the, sure do, the, yeah. the best way to connect with people is to reveal that you and express that you actually have those yourself because people will then align with you better. Well, I'm curious about what you said about the writing. Have you expanded your writing practice? Do you do more journaling now than ever before? I, yeah, I mean, I, the, the weird thing about that is that I, I don't actually have a like a daily practice mm-hmm. for it where I um, like say okay I've got to do five minutes every day or ten minutes every day or I've got to fill you know uh, the, the night with like journaling I I tend to if I get to a place where I feel like I need to express something um, then I write it down and I just kind of I I take it as it comes really um, and if if I feel like I'm getting a little bit closed off then I will, okay, I need to express something, whether that be through like a, an, an, I suppose, open journal in a sense of doing some kind of Facebook post or Facebook video or actually just journaling by myself as you would like a, a normal journal. But um, I've, I'm still learning, still, you know, and still learning to kind of express myself in the written form just by myself or on social media or anything like that and just being real and vulnerable and expressing and not suppressing because I think this kind of this whole suppression like suppressing everything it leads to depression essentially depression and anxiety and and all this kind of crazy emotional mental health problems that a lot of people experience well I think you're right. And let's talk, Michael, about your passion for physical health and eating healthy and that kind of thing. Tell us how that came about and how you like to help people with their physical health. Yeah, so I've always had like an interest in um, like sports and things like that. Mm -hmm. And weirdly, like even though we talked about social anxiety, like team sports was a large part of my uh, was a large part of my childhood. And um, so I was always kind of pretty fit and healthy and, and that kind of thing. So once I, um, I, I decided to go into personal training and I kind of went into it thinking, okay, this is a good opportunity for me to have a business, which is something that I always had wanted. And I didn't really think about it too much on the level of I can really help people, which kind of sounds weird because a lot of personal trainers say I got into it to help people. I didn't. I got into it just to have a business. And then once I got into it and I started reading about more than just a workout, when I started reading about like real health and nutrition, and I thought, wow, this is something that really interests me. 
And then I started applying it to clients and I was like, wow, I can actually help people with this stuff, like really help people with this stuff. And it kind of burned a, a, or it lit a fire within me of like, this, this is amazing. Like this, this stuff, why, right. why doesn't the world know this stuff? Like why doesn't the world yeah. know uh, all this, uh, I suppose, more um, like natural health stuff? And just like you don't, you don't need to go and take a pill for that. You may do, but uh, you know you you might not have to go and take a pill for that, and you may just be able to heal it with with food and things like that. And it just it, it lit a, a passion within me, and I was like, okay, this passion and the fact that I really do genuinely just love helping people in this area, I have to get over this social anxiety thing now. Because right. I, can't, I, I can't let this, I can't let this rule me anymore. That's so cool. Cause I can really feel the passion. I can hear the passion in your <laughs> yeah. voice. So how then did you get clients? Cause you've already said, you know, that stressed you out. How did you get those clients so that you really had a business? Yeah. So I, I like I said, I, I, I decided to, I, I I don't want to use the word fix because I don't think I was broken, but for the mm -hmm. purposes of kind of just this, I'll say fix my social anxiety um, by being vulnerable and, and connecting with people. That was mm -hmm. the, the, the main thing that I couldn't do in the past was, was just like connecting people on a deeper level. And so I decided to share and express myself as I've already alluded to, on social media through uh, the podcast that I do, and just being real, <laughs> just sure. just being absolutely real. Like I talk about on my podcast, I, do, I, I did an episode on mental and emotional health, and I didn't. I kind of at first, this is just like an isolated example, but at, at first. I wanted to just do like a bullet point list of this is how you fix your mental and emotional health or this is how to improve your mental and emotional health. But then right. I kind of took a step back and thought, actually, what I need to do here is actually share the fact that I have struggled with this in the past, um, that I've struggled with uh, anxiety and, and a little bit of depression in, in the recent past as well. And mm -hmm. I need to be real about this and I need to share this and I need to kind of flip it to this is how I am learning to master my mental and emotional health as opposed to coming from like the, the, the sat, up, sat up there in my kind of ivory tower going like this is how you fix it all. Uh, right. And so I kind of started to approach it from a position of this is the journey that I'm on. Maybe I am in – maybe I'm like a few steps ahead of you on the journey but I'm still on the journey myself as well. So I'm not coming – I'm not approaching this from a position of – I am absolutely bulletproof and perfect in every single, like in my mental health, in my emotional health, in my physical health, in my spiritual health. I'm not absolutely perfect. But this is the journey that I'm on and I would like to share the things that I am learning as I go on that journey with you and help you. If, um, if you need more help, then, then I will help you. And, right. and that's how I approach it. Yeah, and people really resonate with that because that, that's way different than just going on to a site where somebody is just like you say, you know, they're rhyming off a, a list of bullet points where they're telling you what to do. So, Michael, I've been uh, working in bullying preventions for some time, and I found that mindfulness can really help people in that area. Do you have a story about bullying of any kind where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, a story about bullying? I, I suppose, I, 
I, I mean, I, I, I had, because this, this is a really interesting point, actually, that I felt like I was being bullied in school at certain points. Like there was, it wasn't massive or anything like that. I, I, I'm sure there was a lot of people that suffered a lot more with bullying, but I kind of, as I look back now, I like perceived it as bullying. I perceived mm-hmm. myself as being excluded from certain groups. Right, when, so you perceived yourself as kind of being a victim in a way. Exactly, yeah. So I kind of thought, like I, I as I said, I played a lot of uh, football and, and well, like soccer, you call it right. football over here. Um, yeah. And I never, I played for teams outside of school, but I never played for the school team because I, I suppose my, my, own insecurities and my own social anxiety at the time I excluded myself from that group of guys who were who were part of the football team and I looked at it as they're bullying me they're not they're they're not letting me into their group when I suppose if I had taken a step back and dealt with use mindfulness to deal with my with my internal problems that maybe I could have connected with with those guys on a on a better level, um, or got myself into that group and being able to play, um, play football for the school team. So it's really interesting to kind of think back on that now, because I suppose I, there were times when I just perceived that I was being bullied, perceived that I was being excluded by people when they probably were just thinking like, why is this guy not talking? Why is this guy not saying anything like okay we're not gonna we're just gonna kind of i suppose just not include him in conversation or kind of not include him in the group because he's not saying anything he's not doing right, anything. sure sure a whole different way to look at it yeah that that really makes perfect sense and like i've talked about before sometimes the most impactful bullying is what we do to ourselves in our own minds exactly. so that's kind of sounds like like what you were doing. Michael, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person that you think has influenced you in your mindfulness practice? In my mindfulness practice, I, I would have to say um, a guy called Paul Cech. Uh He's the guy who, he wrote a book called How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And that's the first book that I picked up and really got me fired up in like the more holistic health world. And that included things like, uh, like, like meditation practices and relaxation exercises and things like that. And so he got like, or his book got me into that world of accepting that that's, that's an okay thing to do. You know, it's not a weird thing to do. So Paul check, I think would, would have to be the, the person. Cool. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Mike? Uh, very, very positively, uh, it's enabled me to believe that it's okay to express my emotions and not to suppress everything and and to uh, say that, okay, I have these emotions and it's okay to express them and, and it's not weak of me to have them and to, you know, it's not, uh, I, I'm, I'm still a man even though I might express emotion and things like that. And I'm, I'm still working sure. on that, but that's, um, that's, that's how it's affected my emotions, I suppose. Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is what I use to actually keep myself focused on the present moment. So it's it's a huge, a, a huge part. It's, it's a huge part of, of our health as well. If we have a poor breathing pattern, then it's uh, it can screw up a whole load of other things. 
Uh, but concentrating on the breathing, because that's the only thing that I suppose we are, that we can really concentrate on right now. And that it mm-hmm. just reminds us of, okay, this is happening right now. And if we just, what I do is I imagine my breath and I imagine like if I'm meditating or something, I imagine my breath going in and the little particles of the air going in and then spreading throughout my body. And it's just bringing me really to the present moment, what is actually going on inside my body when that breathing is happening. So breathing is just, is, is a huge part for me. So you've already uh, recommended Paul Check's book. It sounds like that had a big impact on you. Have you ever used an app which helps you to be more mindful in any way? Um, an app, I, I, I use uh, Brain.fm. They don't actually have an app per se. Um, mm-hmm. It's still in beta, I think. So I, I don't think that they have an app quite yet, but uh, they ha- it's a, a website. The website is, is uh, brain.fm mm-hmm. and uh, they have a lot of like music uh, that, uh, that that helps with brainwave, brainwave activity and uh, they have a lot of stuff for productivity and focus while you're working and uh, mindfulness and meditation when you're relaxing and also some sleep stuff as well um, so it's it's a really cool app that, that I've that I use you know Michael I think our Mindful Tribe listeners are really, really going to benefit from you being so open and vulnerable about social anxiety and where you've been. How can we learn more about what you do and how can we connect with you, Mike? Yes, uh, my website is uh, iammichaelover.com. And, uh, okay, just a second. Slow down. I am. I, I want my listeners <laughs> yeah. to really hear this because so this I'm is just, really valuable. I'm so used to saying that because I say it on my podcast all the time, so it's like zip straight off. But uh, I am michaelglover.com is, the, is, my, is my website. Right. And um, the, uh, the, the podcast is on, is on there. So my podcast is called Enlightened Entrepreneurial Badasses, uh, where I basically concentrate on building the foundations for entrepreneurs and professionals of of health from a mental, emotional, spiritual, and and uh, physical point of view. Uh, so I I, uh, I help on that three times a week, and uh, also my Facebook as well is where I do most of my stuff. My just you can feel free to send me a a, a friend request on Facebook, uh, which is just the uh, M Glover is my so it's facebook.com forward slash the M Glover, and uh, you'll go straight to my page. Perfect. Well, we'll put all of that in our show notes. And so listeners, you can you can see that. Michael, thanks so much for sharing all this with us today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. It's been fantastic, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.